hit the button. Hi, this is episode 132. We're talking the sugar babes. No, just kidding. Hello and welcome to the Massive Attack Podcast. I am your host, Mitch, and with me as always, Joe. Hello, Joe. How are you? I'm very well, Mitch. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. This is the 132nd episode of the Massive Attack Podcast. This is the year 2021. We are doing the alphabet and we are up to the letter S. And this time we are talking about something that we probably should have got around to a lot sooner, considering what our entrance music, well, not our entrance music, our, our opening music, what would you call it? Our theme music? Yeah. Theme music's probably a good term. Yeah. Back all those years ago, we're talking eight, nine years. When did we do this, start this thing? 2012 or 2011, one of those. Wow. It was a long time ago. A long time, yeah. So been doing this a while. Just a little teaser, this episode, if you haven't already read what the topic's about, it's musical. And when we first started doing this podcast, you were getting into this new music called dubstep. I was. And you really wanted to push dubstep as our opening theme music. And it just was a little too aggressive for me. I mean, I like the music. But it was just like, mm. and then you actually hit me up with a bit of real big fish as an alternative. And I was like, definitely, definitely do that. Because back in the day, we actually, you know, you helped with a friend and we put together a clip for a science fiction convention where we did a talk about wrestling. And we did a clip of the wrestler X-Pac, who we didn't like very much, getting the crap beat out of him for three and a half minutes to the tunes of Real Big Fish somebody hates me yes not only did i learn to love that song i also actually got a lot of respect for x-pack after it because it was like oh you're competing but um from that i like the band real big fish because i remember that my first link to real big fish back in the day was when i was first started dating my now wife i went to a barbecue with all her friends first time i met all their friends and there was this tall lanky dude with a t-shirt that said i hate real big fish all on the front of it and it's like (laughs) What, what's wrong with real big fish? And it's like, they're a band. It's like, ah, oh, fair enough. So I had no idea. I was a bit clueless back then. But yeah, since then, become a bit of a fan. And they've also become our anthem. So yes, this episode, we are talking ska music. Yes. So it is a very vast musical genre. It's been around for a very long time. And yeah, I must say, I'm a fan. Probably not so much the very early stuff, because I was probably too young to get into it. But 80s ska and what they call third wave ska, I was definitely a big fan of growing up and into my misspent youth. So yeah, we talk Real Big Fish. We actually saw Real Big Fish together. I think it would have been 2010 they came out here to Australia and we went and saw them. And I was blown away just how much energy they had as a live band. And being a typical ska band, I think they had you know a dozen people on stage with all your horn section and all that sort of stuff as well. And it was just a lot of fun. And I think ska music in general does tend to be high energy, exciting, fun music, but it does have a bit of a message too as well. So so we'll we'll get to that. I've wanted to do this episode for a long time. I'm probably going to talk a little bit about music nerd stuff and talk technical side of music, but I don't want to get too stuck in that. And I'm probably going to say some stuff that may not be factually true. And I'm sure there are people that listen to this podcast that know a lot more about ska music than I do. Most likely my sister, if she's still listening to it. So Claire, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I get anything wrong, because part of my love for ska music does come because of my sister and my brother's influence in my musical likes when I was younger as well. So yes. So as I said, ska music kind of has been around for a very long time. And 
it's categorized into three waves. So the original wave of ska music first sort of came about in the late 50s or early 60s, started off in Jamaica. And a lot of people get ska and reggae confused, but ska actually came first before reggae. So reggae kind of evolved out of ska music. Yeah, because um, ska's good and reggae sucks. That's the difference. Well, see, I don't know. There's some reggae songs that I kind of get into. It depends what sort of mood you're in for reggae, I guess. But Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Like, like you're saying, it, it started in Jamaica in the 60s. And it came from the Calypso music of the time. And after the World War II, there was a lot of American GIs and all that that went to Jamaica and were stationed there. And they bought their rock and roll music. Like Fats Domino was a big, big influence. So one of the big starters for it. So basically they grabbed R&B and rock and roll and added it with their own Calypso. And that's essentially the birth of Scar. And from ska came yeah. came reggae and um, rocksteady and rap, essentially. A bunch of other things came out of it. So, yeah. Hmm. So I guess the, the characteristics of ska come by the fact of the, the composition of the music itself is a little bit different to other styles of music, whereas most music, they accentuate the rhythm on the on beat, whereas ska accentuates the rhythm on the off beat. So normally most music is in 4-4 scale. The beats would be on the one and the three in a standard song, but ska normally do the beats on the two and the four. So that's very technical music. People that play music probably understand that. People that don't probably don't and probably don't care. But some of the characteristics of ska is the sound of the guitar chop or the skank as they call it, which gives it that real jangy sort of sound. And the term skanking is now known as what the dance that you do to ska music. So skanker chicken. Yep, skanker chicken. <laughs> I thought of him a lot when we were doing the research for this episode. They're not sure where the term itself ska came from. But There's lots of theories been, out there. Well, it's been lots of theories. They say it's kind of, it's the sound that the guitar makes when you're strumming the guitar and it's the scar, scar, scar sound of the, the guitar. Other characteristics that you find in scar music a lot, obviously you have a horn section in most scar bands. Uh, the Hammond organ or the piano is quite prominent and the sort of the rim tapping of the, the snare drum. So rather than just hitting the skin of the drum, they hit the edge of the drum and it makes that sort of more metallic sort of bonk sort of sound rather than just the normal drum beat. So yeah, that that's some of the distinctive styles. But um, yeah, as you said, it started off in Jamaica. And something that's quite interesting is the fact that Jamaica didn't have international copyright laws back in the day. So the Americans brought their rock and roll and R&B to, to Jamaica after World War II. And a lot of the Jamaican artists decided that they were going to do cover versions of these songs, put their own little spin on it and release them as records in Jamaica. And it wasn't until much later, I think it was about 68 or 67, possibly when they changed the protection rules where international copyright was a thing. And these artists stopped doing so many covers and they started to do songs of their own. So going back to the what we call the pioneers of Scar, I guess, Prince Buster is probably one of the names that comes up quite a lot. So he had a song early on in his career called Al Capone, which reached number 18 in the UK pop charts in 1967. It's pretty much an instrumental. It's just him saying the occasional lyric over the top of the music, mentioning Al Capone, the gangster, and making gangster references and stuff like that. But I think as far as if you want to go nerdy history, it's probably the first Scar song to actually reach the charts in another country. 
And some of the other examples from back in the day, there was a band called the Scatterlites or the Scatterlites that were quite popular in Jamaica and they made it across into the mainstream in other countries as well. One of their big songs was called Freedom Sounds and again is pretty much an instrumental other than them saying Freedom Sounds at the start of the song. Another one that is very popular as well is Millie Small did a cover of My Boy Lollipop and that actually charted quite high overseas as well. Some of the pioneers, people also mentioned Desmond Decker, but I think he has the credit as being the first reggae number one with his song, The Israelites, which was in the late 60s as well. But yeah, I think that's more considered a reggae song than a ska song. And one other song that came out in the 60s as well, there was a band called the Harry J All-Stars and they had a song called The Liquidator, which is an instrumental song. And the Chelsea Football Club actually used that as their run-on music and started back in the 60s and still use it today. did a bit of research coming into this and I realised I don't know a lot about First Wave Scar at all. Probably more familiar with your Bob Marley's and that, so your reggae sort of coming out of it. But in, you know, doing the research, I watched a couple of docos and that. And yeah, you, you can you can hear it all there. And what I realised was I don't like it very much. It's like a lot it, slower. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's fun, but it just, it's kind of boring. And that's what I don't like about reggae really is it's got that mellowness to it and I really don't mellow I'm not I'm not chill with mellow it doesn't work for me and I just I I just get a little bored and the repetitiveness of it all you know and it just takes me back to trying on clothes at this pop-up shop in Chapel Street and they were playing a lot of sort of reggae modern reggae dancey sort of music and it did my head in like I was really I was there for ages trying on a bunch of clothes because I was really it was like oh this is interesting so I really was there for a long time and it just did my fucking head in the music and it's like no I don't like this at all and it was just that repetitiveness and the sirens and I remember listening to PBS for a bunch of years at my previous job and they used to have a reggae section pretty much played two hours brackets of music and it would be country or old or metal or something and I did hate the reggae one because it was so repetitive <laughs> and so many freaking sirens I don't know what the point is so I know this isn't a reggae podcast but it's sort of like yeah it just keeps going but it's quite funny because you know how back in the 60s all the all the songs a lot of songs had to dance and the dance had rules to it yep. and Scar had its own little dance moves there was the rowing and swinging and it's dancing I can actually do it's like, oh, I could do that if I wanted to. I'd still look very white doing it. Yeah, there's the row, literally where you put your arms in front, like in a rowboat, and pull them back like you're in a rowboat and just do it into this repetitive music. But yeah, so listening to that first wave stuff, it's like, hey, the origins are all there and I get it. But it's it's got that very, it doesn't have the high energy as Calypso. Like some of them probably do. I haven't heard enough of Scar from that time. It just, the grounding was there. 
But it wasn't really yep. until Second Wave, which is what I'm interested in listening to. It's like you put a playlist together on Spotify. Yep. It's really cool. There's some old stuff on there. But yeah, I had to listen through and those things just did nothing for me, basically. Listening to that, it's like, oh yeah, this is quaint or it, it sounds old to me. But what happened was in the late 70s with the independence of Jamaica, the because it must have been British rule. Was that right? I think it was, yeah. When that rule, I, I, I don't know why, not having British rule anymore, but a lot of Jamaicans moved over there to England, I guess, for a better chance and a better life. And they brought their music with them. And yep. as with Quadrophenia, so this is all coming together. Our, our opening theme music and Quadrophenia a couple of episodes ago, this is that period. So that punk scene sort of came on from it. So the late 70s was, there was a working class, not the mods, but a more working class class and that immigrant culture had come in yep and yeah this, this and i guess it came from the punk culture as well came together yep so it all kind of happened around the same sort of time yeah and i suppose the pioneers of this second wave would be the specials yeah so they call the second wave they refer to it a lot as the two-tone sort of era and two-tone records was formed in the late 70s i think it was about 1979 where a dude called jerry Dahmer's created the label and Jerry Dahmer's went on to actually be the keyboard player for the specials and he like a lot of the other people around the time was starting to listen to a lot of this imported reggae sort of music plus they were listening to you know the the ska pioneers and they themselves were starting to form bands and starting to play covers of those original ska songs from the 60s. And there was a lot of unrest in England in the late 70s and early 80s because of the, the racially charged English people didn't like the immigrants coming in and taking their jobs. Margaret Thatcher was in power, so there was a lot going on. It wasn't a great time for a lot of people. And what kind of brought this together was a lot of these early ska bands were made up of a mixture of you know different race musicians, black and white musicians playing together. And the whole two-tone style became synonymous with this whole, you know, we've got whites, we've got blacks, we're all playing music together. And they all kind of had a similar look and feel of the way they dressed. They all were like the mods, they were all sharply dressed in suits, black suits, white shirts, thin ties, pork pie hats and trilby hats. And it, it became not only a musical movement, it kind of became a fashion movement in that sort of period as well. So most people, I think, if you mentioned Scar, would know who the specials are. But the specials were probably one of the real pioneers of that second wave of you know, late 70s, early 80s starting out in Coventry and just building from there in the UK. And the specials themselves had a couple of quite successful songs. They made it to number one with their song Ghost Town, which still today or you know recent times has been used in quite a few movies use it i think it was was it kingsman i think used it in one of their scenes and so. it's just has that real sort of instantly recognizable sort of sound of the organ at the start and then the horns kind of kick in But the specials, yeah, as I said, they had probably three or four number one singles in England. They were quite successful in the charts. 
And later in the 80s, they actually reformed as the special AKA, and they had their very famous song, Free Nelson Mandela, which was the the big protest song about, obviously, Nelson Mandela being in jail in South Africa and doing their bit to try and get him out sort of thing. And and that's, you know, a very, very successful song. Successful, but I was listening to it tonight. I went for for a bit of a run. Like I said, I listened to your playlist you put together. To me, that sounded a lot more reggae. Yeah, I I think that probably is more on the reggae side. But, but yeah, their, their early songs like Too Much Too Young, Ghost Town, Message to You, Rudy, that, that's real classic Scar style. Well, yeah, the Rudy, I suppose, is their breakout hit because that was, that was what you call traditional Scar. It had that driving yeah. sound. You, you went into the whole music thing of how it goes on the upbeat and the downbeat. and the, I have no idea what you talked about then because I know nothing about music when it comes to that, the mechanics of it all. Yeah, but... Message to you, Rudy, obviously, is very classic in that way. But Ghost Town, he sort of went on another tangent. It was their second album, I think. And the brains behind it, he sort of had this, went on a new wave. And all the other band members were like, I don't know about this. But obviously, it did a lot. Yep. It was a big hit for them. It was in the charts for a very long time. Now, it was a perfect storm as well, where it was good, it was new, it was innovative. And it also told a story about like you were saying, England at that time, where it was Thatcher, the world's business is shutting down, the economy's gone to shit, you know, all the clubs are being shut down because of violence and all this because of skinheads and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it it was very much of its time and it spoke to the people and it was, yeah, number one for weeks. You know, it was just a big deal at the time. And like I said, he started Two Tone Records. A lot of other bands Mm. came out of that and, I mean, there was The Beat, which is also known as the UK Beat or British Beat? English Beat. English Beat outside of... England. Yep. And that was pretty famous. Like like the specials, it was black and white people in a band, which was to me it seems so weird that it's not that long ago, but it's you know fifty years, but still. Yep. But that that was rare to have black and white people in the same band because it just didn't happen. You had black yeah. bands, you had white bands. So, you know, this was very innovative in that way. So the specials had that and so was the beat. And they had yep. that that snap, you know, snappy dressing style as well. They were very similar in the looks and feel to the specials. Yeah. So, yeah, so the beat had Mirror in the Bathroom, which is quite a big song for them. So we had uh, Selector, who were another band that were on Two Tone Records, because in fact, the very first single that Two Tone actually released was a double A side, and it had a special song on one side and a Selector song on the other. But Selector's probably big hit would be Too Much Pressure. is your typical Scar song where it's just music, 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 and the pretty much the only lyrics in the song are just a dude, what they call toasting, which is kind of the precursor to rap. They had another song called On My Radio, which was sung by their female lead singer. And there was another band that was quite popular in the time there called Bad Manners, and they had a song called Lip Up Fatty. Lip-o-fatty, 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 
have mentioned the lead singer of Bad Manners before on the podcast. His name's Buster Bloodvessel, and he was just like this big fat dude with a shaved head that used to just jump around like a crazy person on stage. But I guess the specials would be the number one band as far as popularity and success of Second Wave Scar. But the other band that most people will know is probably the band Madness. So Madness formed around the same sort of time as the specials, and they were heavily influenced by Prince Buster because they did a couple of covers of Prince Buster songs early on. So their first big single was One Step Beyond, and that is a Prince Buster cover. They also did Nightboat to Cairo, which I think was a Prince Buster cover as well. And they've got a song on their first album called The Prince, which is a tribute to Prince Buster. of fun it must be love but the they had that real sort of what they class as the nutty boy sound so they were slightly more poppy i guess than than your traditional ska music but they still had their roots in ska and they had a couple of really successful songs in the uk charts that also made it out here in australia in the charts so i think most people would probably know baggy trousers as being one of their big songs And Our House is probably another one that stayed on the charts for quite a while. But really, when you think about it, composition-wise, isn't really a ska song. It's more a pop song with some trombone and, and saxophone bits in the middle. But yeah, they were very successful for a very long time, Madness. And I think they are still kicking around now. Probably not with the same lineup they had back then, but Suggs, the lead singer, I think is still floating around doing doing Madness songs in, in gigs and stuff. So yeah. Well, I, I remember in the early days of piracy, well, not piracy itself, but the digital piracy of music, oh, yeah. I heard I heard it once or twice on Triple J and it was Suggs, I Am The Man. Yeah. And I loved it and tried forever. That was one of the first songs I downloaded um, through Napster or whatever it was back in the day because that's what you had to do back then. Exactly. If you found a song, you had to go either buy it and then it made it so yep. simpler where you could go and try and download it. It might take overnight to download, but it's okay. Yes. Yeah, so Madness is like listening tonight again. Yep. So listening to all this Scar stuff on that playlist you put together, it still sounds so bloody fresh. It's it's no, awesome. I, I still listen to Madness quite regularly. I have it on a memory stick in my car and it's on rotation amongst my other stuff. And when it comes on, it still makes me feel good. And it kind of reminds me a lot of my younger years because Suggs, the lead singer of Madness, looks very similar to my brother. When we were kids, when he used to come on the video clips, we would sit there and go, like, oh, Martin's on TV. But no, it was it was Suggs. But as I said before, my brother's influence in my musical taste does go back a long way till sort of that early 80s sort of time because he was listening to this sort of music and and he actually became a skinhead and in, in a good way not one of these racist bad skinheads he was a scooter skin as we mentioned in the quadrophenia episode they were the skinheads that rode scooters and listened to ska music and you know, that sort of stuff and some of the stuff he listened to when we were kids i would never have heard if it wasn't for 
for his musical taste. But obviously Madness, not one of those because they were commercially successful here in Australia and you'd see their clips on Countdown and stuff when we were kids. And even like now, you'll you'll watch like flashback shows on Channel V and, and they'll play Madness clips. So as far as that goes, I think Madness probably were the most commercial of the second wave scar. Yeah, because like I said, they sound, it still sounds very fresh now yep. and it sounds really polished, like really well produced. Now, whether they got a good producer on board, they're really good songwriters, I'm not sure. But the quality of the recording was great because I think they did their first album with Two Tone Records and then obviously they did, and then they yeah. went off and then from then on they did it with a, a I'm assuming a much bigger label. But they were on Stiff Records, which I think was an offshoot of one of the major labels. So yeah, yeah so that, that's cool. But we we do have a funny um, madness anecdote, don't we, Joe? Oh, we do. Yes. Yes. So what, what what was the event? I think it was my Bucks Night. Your Bucks Night. So we went out uh, for your Bucks Night, and we went to Retro Nightclub, which was one of our old stomping grounds back in the day, which was. Like it says, retro, it played retro music. So we were there in the, oh, this must have been early 2000s, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well, we started going there. In well, the mid-90s. We were both going there separately in the in the late 90s. Before that, 90s. yes. And then yep. we actually met up through wrestling and then we both realised that we both go to retro. So yep. we used to go to retro together after that. And we hadn't been for a long time. And then no. when my Bucks night came around, we were like, oh, we should have you know one last big night out with the boys and we'll go to retro again. Yes, and Baggy Trousers got a Guernsey, and you were pretty excited about that. I'm, I think you're a little bit drunk, Probably. but we all were. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. And you hit the dance floor with enthusiasm. Yes, I was skanking away. You were. Like, it was pretty crazy. So much so, you, you couldn't last the sun. No. <laughs> I, I peaked too early. And, you, know, you did. I, I shot my wad to Baggy Trousers, and I had to go and have a little rest. <laughs> You just you, you just looked at me, put my hand on my shoulder. I can't finish it. <laughs> and it reminded me of the first time we ever played on the Wii. <laughs> yes, when I thought I was going to have a heart attack during Wii boxing. Yes, like you just went hell for leather on that too, and got halfway through the game, and it's like I've got to sit down. <laughs> yes, I, I hope you're healthier now. This well, is I all am. very I'm, much. I'm probably about time. thirty kilos lighter than I was back then, so yeah, I'm doing well. Much better. Yes. Excellent, excellent, yes. So I suppose that that would be the height of second wave Scar. Yeah. And then what we get is we go into what is considered the current, while third wave Scar was the next one. Yes. We talked about it before recording. It it, it, it sort of is, it starts around mid-80s, but I would what I would consider and what I think about more is probably 90s onwards. Yeah. Yeah, so I suppose Fishbone. If they're mid eighties, they they are considered third wave scar. They are, but they're very similar to a madness or any of those sort of things. But they got that sort of sound. They don't have that rocking sound that I associate now with third wave scar. Yeah, but yeah. So essentially, scar sort of went into punk or associ- it's associated with punk and things. Very like much that. so. Yeah, and yeah, it seems the third wave seemed to be a lot more. American, but there are English bands, Rancid, I suppose, and things like that. Well, so, Rancid are based in America as well, even though they've got a, an English lead singer, I think. Oh, that's why it sounds so English, yeah. I guess. But yeah, so Third Wave is is it just the next evolution of Scar, but a lot more grindy guitars would I would I associate with it. Still got that massive horn sound, but it's, it doesn't have that driving bass line. Yeah, because another one of the... Um 
the real sort of characteristics of early scale was that sort of walking baseline, so the, yeah. as they call it. It's but that's not really so much of a thing with third wave scale. So I think second wave scale was really big in England, quite big here in Australia, but not huge in in America. And sort of in the late eighties in the punk scene, a lot of these punks were starting to listen to you know, Madness and the Specials and this sort of stuff. And again, it's they're influenced by the music that they're listening to, and they start producing that sort of music themselves. So Fishbone were an early band that were picking up that sort of it really it was almost punk with horns back in in the start but fishbone do have a couple of quite traditional sounding ska songs my first ever sort of idea that fishbone were a band i think was coming from the movie back to the beach that came out in the late 80s and it was Annette Vunicello and Frankie Avalon, grown up, going back and kind of reenacting those 60s beach movies that they did when they were younger. Uh, I I can't remember the exact premise. I should know because I've watched this movie so many times. But back in the 60s, Annette Vunicello actually had a song called Jamaican Scar, which really isn't a Scar song. It's just her talking about how not everyone can do certain dances, but everyone can do the Scar dance because it's easy sort of thing. And there's even a clip on YouTube of her doing that with Bob Hope back in the 60s on some Bob Hope variety show. But anyway, Fishbone play this gig at the beach in Back to the Beach and she sings Jamaican Scar with Fishbone. And for me, that was like, as I said, it was my first taste of Fishbone and possibly my only taste of Fishbone because I can't think I know any other songs that they did. Exactly the same for me. Like I watched that movie on VH back in the day. I remember hiring it one weekend and loving it because it was just quirky and it had Gilligan and Skipper in it. It had Pee Wee Herman in it. There was just so much weird stuff going on. But yeah, there was this song in the middle, Jamaican Scar, by this this really high energy group with this big horn section. I was like, oh, that's really cool. But back in the day, we're talking, what, 86, 87? I didn't have the internet to go to to say, what's this band and what more have they done? Hmm. I just liked it in that thing. And it pops in my head quite a bit, that Jamaican Scar song. Like it might be a little bit of rhythm or something that I hear and and it just pops in my head and it's kind of cool. But yeah, so let's jump forward a little bit to probably where I sort of got into the rest of it. Yep. You, you would have been yeah. in this because musically you were, you were really into your music back in the 90s. Like you would listen to Triple J religiously and every Triple J, the album of the week. Yeah, feature albums, yeah. Feature album. You would buy it pretty much, pretty much every yeah. feature album of the week. So you were all over it. So I guess maybe that is that how you found your real big fishes and those sort of bands yeah i think it probably was because i very much doubt they were getting airplay on any of the other channels like radio stations here i do remember real big fish had a single early on called sellout and i think that got a clip on like mtv or red or whatever it was back in the day quite a bit because it was a pretty cool clip it was like a guy that was working in a fast food restaurant starting off as like the mascot out the front in his foam hot dog suit and he decides to throw in his gig at the fast food shop and become a musician and it's kind of like a homage to doing that as a as a band really you're gonna go to the record store you're gonna give them all your money radio plays what they want you to hear tell me it's cool i just don't believe it sell out with me oh yeah sell out with me tonight the record companies only give me lots of money and everything's gonna be 
Yeah, Real Big Fish, and there was a few other bands that sort of came around that sort of same time. And they do refer to them as being the Orange County sound for a while as well, because a lot of them come from Orange County, California, because there was just a lot of bands that all kind of started around the same sort of time and pioneered this third wave ska sound. Some of the other bands that get a mention a lot, uh, there's a band called The Toasters, which I think were based out of New York City, but I don't really know any of their music. And there's another one called Mustard Plug, which to me is just a little bit generic, but it wasn't really until, as you say, it's sort of not until the 90s when they started to get that more ska punk sort of sound that I really got into it again. So we had Real Big Fish. Real Big Fish did quite a lot. They had a number of albums and they've gone through a few different lineup changes, but they've pretty much been the same band since that time. The original lead singer did leave and form his own band. So the guitarist took over as vocals and he's the same dude that's singing now. But yeah, we use Real Big Fish, as you said, for our own opening theme on the show. We've used them a lot in our Christmas episodes because every year they release a Scar Christmas Carols album. So we've used a lot of that. But as well as Real Big Fish, another band that was quite big in the time was a band called Sublime. And I don't know if you really know that much about Sublime other than the fact that they're famous for their Dalmatian on most of their videos and on their album covers. But Sublime had a couple of albums. They were starting to get really, really successful. And then their lead singer, Bradley Nowell, died of a heroin overdose in 1996, just as they were about to get famous. So yeah, doing a bit of research, I was listening to sort of an evolution of Scar and Sublime popped up. And from what little I heard, I didn't like it at all. Oh, really? They very much have that sort of dub reggae sort of sound to them as well. So that's probably why you don't like them because they do have a lot of that. But again, in the 90s, it was that sort of time where things were changing. So kind of like how metal became new metal, Sublime kind of almost became new Scar and they had like turntables and scratching and stuff in their Scar songs too. Yeah, so I, I just I just listening to what I did of Sublime, I, his voice didn't work for me. It was too rock and roll, I suppose, or, or punk. It just didn't gel. Yeah. The music was there. You could see the bass was there, but it was too dirty for me. I don't know. It was sort of weird. Okay. So I guess... I'm I mean, the other big Scar band from that era that I think obviously the biggest success would be No Doubt. Yeah, because they kind of had their roots in Scar. So they started long before they became successful, I guess. They had a couple of albums that came out, nothing really commercial until Tragic Kingdom came out in the sort of mid-90s and they broke through musical barriers with Just a Girl, which went number one worldwide. But even on that album, Tragic Kingdom, there's a couple of songs that you can really hear their Scar influences. So the opening track, Sunday Morning, and there's another track on it called Spiderwebs, and both of those those are very, very Scar. way that Gwen Stefani dresses her, herself, she has that sort of real throwback to the early 80s English second wave scar. Yeah. And even now, when you think about what she's gone on to do in her solo career and the later No Doubt songs, they, they do still have that scar sensibility. They don't have the horns quite as much now, but they still have the similar sort of bass they've got. Yeah, you know, just you can tell they started as a scar band. Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, they're the that was a big breakout band, but the other, there was probably one song. I couldn't tell you any other songs of theirs, but it's absolute cork or that would be the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yeah. The impression that I get would be their big hit 
that I know of anyway. I'm sure they've had a much bigger career than that. I, I think if you're looking at Third Wave Scar, that's probably the most commercially successful song. Because that got, you know, bucket loads of radio play. I can remember in the late 90s, no matter where you went, alternative nightclubs, normal nightclubs, you would hear that wherever you went. I, I can remember going out to the Ivy one night and the DJ played the record and then a bit later on the cover band did a version of it. Then later on I was downstairs and they played it again sort of thing. So it was everywhere. It, you couldn't turn on the radio without hearing the impression that I get. Yeah, I remember. I saw it at the G-Bung Polo Club, I think, one Sunday afternoon. There was an afternoon with a you know session band playing and everything like that. And they played that song. And this drunken dude got up, got up on the speaker and sort of did the running man for the whole song. Now, unlike you during Madness, he actually lasted the whole song. But God, he was spent by the end of it. <laughs> and whenever right. I hear that song, that's all I think about is that dude running on this you know speaker bank. <laughs> Just doing the running. Well, officially, the band actually does have their person in the band that doesn't play any instruments. His whole gig is just get up on stage and dance with the band. So, yeah, like yeah. Tony Martin in the Damien Cowell disco machine. Yeah, nice. Yeah. But i got to say, going on my walk tonight listening to your playlist, the impression that I get is one hell of a song if you want to get moving. Because I did find, thank God I'm walking. I'm doing a lot of walking at the moment because we are in curfew. We are in lockdown. We can only do so many things. So walking is one of them that I can do. And I'm building up to running. So I thought I'd give it a bit of a run. And the impression that I get, God, did I get moving. <laughs> but apart from that, thank God it's dark because I did a little bit of, um, there was a lot of dancing going on walking around the old Norris Bank Park tonight. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of moves, a lot of um, a lot of rude boy. I was a bit, I was a bit of a rude boy, if you want. Yeah. So it was, it was it gets you moving, and, and that's what I was saying about that rhythm, that rolling music, that sort of that movement. It really keeps going forward. It's like that roll, roll, roll. Yeah. Madness is great. Still really f- sounds good. Money, money, bus toast was was awesome. But some of the other bands that I suppose that have come out less than Jake, did we see them? We did. They no. did support for the Bloodhound Gang when we saw them. Okay. Yes. So they were okay, but they sort of got that dirty sound again, a bit like Sublime, but a bit bit more fun, a bit more tinny. But yeah, it just didn't have that, I don't know, there's something, a fullness to that. I don't know if it, we're, I think it's the sheer size of the uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, which is huge. They just feel yep. big. It feels like a big band or whatever, where things like Less Than Jake, Sublime, they feel like little punk bands, you know, that sort of small venue, we're going to crank it out, but we've, this is our history, it's in Scar. Yeah, it, it's kind of like they're a punk band with a trumpet player or they're a punk band with a trombone player or something like that. They don't feel like a, a fully fleshed out Scar band. So another band that we actually saw together, and we've now seen them a couple of times together, and that was the Aquabats. So you kind of can say they're almost a Scar band because they lean probably more towards the punk sort of style but I think they've got a horn section I can't remember if they had a full section well, or whether they're just a one dude I would definitely call them Scar in one of the docos I watched on YouTube last night they actually spoke to that guy they've definitely got that that sound that rolling perpetual motion of forward going sound not as big on the as the brassy sound horn section I would definitely call it Scar and the lead singer or well, yeah I think it's mainly the lead singer of the it is the, lead singer, yep. is the creator of the TV show Yogi Gabba Gabba. Yeah, so he goes by the stage name MC Bat Commander, but his real name is...
name is Christian Jacobs and he and another dude whose name eludes me at the moment but yeah they are the co-creators of Yo Gabba Gabba because they decided that there wasn't enough music related TV shows for kids they were all too a bit too kiddy and the whole premise of Yo Gabba Gabba was that they were going to get current musicians going on and playing their songs for the children and I always remember when the Aquabats were on Yo Gabba Gabba when I first saw them and they did the pool party song and when we saw them live and they played pool party I just lost my shit I didn't know it, unfortunately, at the time, but yeah, but obviously big scar influence on them as well. And pick it up is a term. I think it went back to Al Capone uh, from yep. the very first, one of the very Prince first Buster, yep. from Chris Buster. And he used a term and someone else used the term was pick it up. And I think it was about picking up the beat and those sort of things. And if anyone's, if no one's seen Go Yo Gabba Gabba, it's pretty crazy out there show it's like all these people in puppets like in suits and it's all positive energy and positive vibes and do the right things and be helpful and nice and all these sort of things it's great it's really good and positive but he obviously has a lot of friends in the music industry so he's got them on board to do musical interludes or songs and things and there's little animated sections in the show and one of my favorite similar to the stick song in the hey dougie there's one bit about cleaning up your room and it's got these kids have got a messy room and granddad pops in and there's this like snappy snappy dress looking dude it's like oh look at this room what a mess and um he talks about cleaning up and he sings this scar song pick it up pick it up pick it up about picking up the clothes and putting everything it's away. awesome isn't it and it's a great fucking song and it was yeah and it's like oh, this is really cool so yeah i would put the aquabats definitely up there and they're really cool ones that we've seen but there's a couple of other bands that we've seen because we went to soundwave a couple of years back and i had no idea yeah. who was on but you said oh you we should check out this band because there are this and that was it the interrupters was that one of them yes yeah, so that was the first time we'd actually seen them the interrupters because i just read it on the on the bill that they were sort of a, a punk band and it's a female lead singer and three brothers that all they're not triplets but they dress identical in yeah, their skin tight jeans and their white t-shirts with their braces and their shaved heads and it just blew me away when i saw the interrupters and they've actually done a really good cover of the billy eilish song bad guy when we saw them they didn't have a horn section but now they've got horns and their yeah their version of bad guy is really impressive and they actually used it in the latest series of the umbrella academy as the the soundtrack for one of the fight scenes as well the bad guy. Duh. So some of the other big, big songs from Third Wave Scar, you had the, the band Goldfinger that had a couple of really big songs. I think their biggest one was probably Here in Your Bedroom or Superman. It's quite a good one from them as well. You mentioned Rancid before. So Rancid was the lead singer of the UK subs. When he left the UK subs, he went on to form Rancid and Rancid are very much a punk band with Scar influences, but their song Time Bomb is quite a good song as far as examples of Scar punk from that era. Bucko Nine had a song called My Town, which I really like. Give me peace of mind that can't be beat. 
something that was quite popular in ska. It was like a big thing, even with Second Wave, they were doing covers of original songs from the Jamaican ska scene. But what became quite popular in the 90s ska scene was to do ska covers of 80s pop songs. So Real Big Fish did Take On Me, which they use on the basketball soundtrack. And there's another band called Save Ferris, who do a very good cover of Come On Eileen. I think they were probably in one of those like crappy teen movies from the 90s. I think it might have been 10 Things I Hate About You. They might have been the, the house band at the, uh, the prom. I was thinking Actually, that. Actually, no, it's probably Letters to Cleo. It, that's, I had this conversation about now and a half ago because I was doing my okay. running I was running around I was texting a friend and I was talking about what I was doing with the scar and I end up and I sent a, I sent a gif from of Heath Ledger dancing on the in the in on the on what is it the stadium seats or whatever yep and it's like yep. is that what in you're doing right now it's like well no I'm just trying to commemorate 10 things I had about you because because say Ferris was on it it's like yeah but wrong wrong band good song but wrong wrong band wrong wrong movie it's like what I'm sure because they played twice in the movie from what I thought there was at the prom and at the closing credits they're on the roof of the school as the camera pans out and I thought it yep. was one of those two yeah. and it's like no that's Letters to Cleo I was totally wrong band obviously totally wrong song and I thought well it must have been not another team movie then and I went and looked Maybe at the track was. listing no, that was on good Charlotte. and again I looked at that and it wasn't on there too so I've got some Berenstain Bears Mandela effect going on where I thought this song I've heard by this band in a movie somewhere and I was like I have no idea where I heard it then well it was one of those things I think in the 90s with movies and, and leading into the 2000s that you had to have the kind of up and coming band that was on the label that the soundtrack was going to be on perform in your movie because the Mighty Mighty Bostones are in that scene in Clueless where they go to the party and they're the, they're the house band at the party. Hmm. But they say that third wave Scar fell around that sort of 90s sort of time, but obviously the interrupters are still kicking. They've only just been going since 2000 sort of era. I think it was probably, what, 2015 that we saw them live, and I think they're on their third album now. But I was reading an article just the other day where they're saying there's almost going to be a fourth wave of ska now, and there's a bunch of Canadian ska bands that are starting to get popular. Yeah, I did I did read that too, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, what you need is another no doubt, basically, to break yeah. out if you're going to get sort of notoriety. But it's really hard just for music. Like, there's plenty of music out there with Spotify and Bandcamp and all these sort of things, but, yeah, there's... There's probably really good scar out there, a new scar, but you've got to look for it because nothing's coming to you anymore. Like I don't no. listen to the radio, so I don't hear new music anymore. So it's it's kind of hard. I did watch something, one of the docos I watched on scar, and I actually talked about scar all over the world, and it was quite interesting at how Japan had scene Australia had its own scene there's a Wikipedia page devoted to the Australian scene and it was quite interesting seeing they were talking about all these band venues in Melbourne like the art house and the corner and all these sort of places which I have frequented in the past it's like oh these were staple of band venues you know and was quite interesting in the Australian scene where they would stop booking scar bands because of the violence that followed suit. So they would stop. So it almost killed the scar movement at one point because no one would play the music. It was quite interesting. Hmm. Okay. But, but something else that's interesting is, I suppose, the visual of scar. Like you said, there was the modern movement of um, uh, the clothes, the snappy dress, the hats, the the shoes, the everything. You know, brothel creepers, that yep. sort of thing. And something else was. Like Two Tone Records, the guy who actually designed that was it's a very iconic, very simple, stylized black and white drawing of a dude in a suit with almost like Blues Brothers in a hat and sunglasses. And that's that's the look. And that's that's this logo for Two Tone Records. And the specials had this synonymous with this 
black and white checker pattern logo. Yep. And that's sort of what you associate with Scar. And I don't know enough about it, but there's a comic by Evan Dorkin who's done quite a few things, including Dork Comics and Milk and Cheese. But he did yep. a comic for years called Hectic Planet. And one of the main characters in that is a massive Scar fan, or the two main characters. And yeah, it gets around in the suit and there's a very strong checker motif that goes on quite through the book in that way because he's what he's into but yeah at the time when i read it probably was a lot more going on about scars that i didn't know about yep. yeah yeah it's like, oh, well, cool. one of his other characters in his dork comic was the the skinhead that realized that he liked disco. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in, in dork comic, it was all those little sort of three panel strips almost in the comic. And one of them that was a recurring character was, yeah, this, this disco loving skinhead that couldn't tell his racist skinhead friends that he actually liked disco. He had to keep that hidden. Mm. I think that's probably our take on Scar. I think so. It's very As broad said, and it's very, we've probably got a lot wrong. I'm sorry, people, but we just like it. We like what we like. There's so much out there we don't know a lot of things. I'll admit that now. Yeah, but as, as we keep saying, it's one of those high-energy, lots-of-fun-type bands, type style of music. And, yeah, for me, it's one of those things that I will chuck on when I need pepping up. I listen to it in the car a lot, and I find that it makes me drive faster, so I probably shouldn't listen to it as much as I do. And it's just unlike punk, which you kind of have to be a little bit cautious about playing when you've got the kids in the car. I can play real big fish and the kids won't mind. There's not a lot of swearing in it. It's just fun, wholesome music. And yeah, second wave Scar, you know, the two-tone era is fun, wholesome music that actually has a bit of a message to it too. It's not going away and it's something that I still hold fondly and listen to Rick. Excellent. All right. So if you want to jump on our socials, you can tell us what your favorite ska band is. You can tell us that we're idiots because we forgot your favorite band and we should have mentioned, you know, whoever. I, I think we've covered a lot of the big influences over the three waves, but I'm sure we've missed something out because as I said, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm just a fan. Yes. If you do have any ideas or feedback for us, you can jump on our Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast. We are the MA podcast on Twitter. And you can always find us on our website, which is themapodcast.popbean.com. And until we meet again next time, Mitch, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun and it's going to be a lot of fun with the edit, putting some clips in. But I think I will take your advice and I will find that clip from Yo Gabba Gabba and I'll chuck that on as the end music for the end of the episode. What a mess, what a mess. Thank you very much and skank away, people. Bye. Bye. What a mess, what a mess, what a mess. What a mess, what a mess, what a mess. Young boy and young girl, what have you done? You rule, it is a mess. There are clothes everywhere, on the floor, on the dresser. There's a roller skate in the corner. What do you want me to do? Hurt myself? We can't have that. We can't have that. What I want you to do is clean this up right now. I want you to pick it up, 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 pick it up. Come on, people, let's clean it up right now. But we can't clean unless we pick it up. Uh-huh. Pick it up, 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 pick it up. Now that is what I like to see. A room so clean. Floors I can eat off of them. Not that I would. You can go outside and play with your friends, ride your bikes, even watch TV. I don't mind as long as you keep the room clean. And remember, when in doubt, pick it up, 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 pick it up,
mess, no more mess, no more mess. Yeah. No more mess, no more mess, no more mess. So pick it up. Hello and welcome to the. Ah, I was ready. I was on. It was going to be good. Now I'm going to do full. You me for that one. You talked over the top. See, I did not. I look, talked look before it. No, look because I can see it oh, on okay. the wave file. <laughs> It's out of sync. 